0: Good morning, everyone. Hope everybody's had a wonderful week and ready to worship the Lord and enjoy some time in His Word together. We're going to start off this morning singing, There's Power in the Blood. be I love to tell the story. be I surrender all. Father, we thank you today for your goodness and your love. Help us to follow you, Lord, with our whole hearts and to trust you, Lord, Um, with the same faith that we have for you to save us, God. Help us to use the same trust for you to lead us and guide us for where you want us to be. God, I pray that you be with us today as we hear the message, speak to our hearts, be with us in this week, God, and help us um, be the servants and the witnesses that you've called us to be. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen.
1: All right. This morning we are still in 2 Thessalonians. And we're going to finish up chapter 1, Lord willing. We're going to look at verses 11 and 12 this morning. And we're going to look at the points that come out of Paul's prayer. Uh, He ends this first chapter with with a prayer. um, And I think that it's, would be fitting for us to take time to look at what he's praying for because the things that he's praying about this Thessalonian church are the same things that are applicable to us today in the modern church we, these are the things that would be God's will for us also so let's start here, let's just read these two verses before we get started First, 2 uh, Thessalonians chapter 1 starting with verse 11 says, Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling, and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness, and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, and ye in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the first thing that Paul says here, well, it's always interesting to me to see that Paul usually says that he prays always. You know, he's the one that uh, the Holy Spirit used to write down in the Bible that we ought to pray without ceasing. Uh, Paul always seemed to have an attitude of prayer toward God, and that's certainly something we could learn in our own lives as well. But the first point that he makes here is that uh, he prays that God would count them worthy of the calling. Now, what calling is he talking about? Well, remember in verse number uh, 5 of Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 1 here, we saw that, that Paul was telling the, the church here that, the tribulations that they were going through was a token that God would use to test them to see if their faith was genuine and to see if they were really worthy of the kingdom of God let's look at that first uh, second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 5 he's talking about the tribulations that they're undergoing and he says which is a manifest token token of the righteous judgment of God that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. Suffering is part of the Christian walk. The prosperity preachers and teachers, they're teaching you a false gospel when they tell you that coming to Christ will bring you health, wealth, and all the wonderful things of life. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us that coming to Christ is a way of suffering. Christ had to suffer; He suffered for us, and He, he says, "In uh, He said to Timothy that all that desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's just part of it, and He tells us here in our text in 2 Thessalonians that suffering is God's way of testing us to prove if our faith is genuine or not so that's the calling that he's talking about that they would be counted worthy of the calling and paul says i pray for you that god would count you worthy of the calling if you go back to first thessalonians chapter 2 verses 11 and 12 paul also there said as ye know How we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. So there again is that same thought that we would live our lives in a way that would prove our faith to be genuine and thereby be worthy of the kingdom of God. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 4, we read uh, as Jesus was talking to the church at Sardis. says, Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Uh, that's the same idea here that Jesus is saying that there's those in the church at Sardis that have proved themselves to be genuine believers in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and they will receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which will be their white garments, because they have been proven to be worthy. Now, the only way to be worthy of the kingdom of God is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't earn it. You can't uh, pay for it in any way. It's just through faith. So that's the first thing that Paul prays for here. And the second thing we see that he says that they would fulfill all the good pleasure of God's goodness. Now, we would have no hope apart from the goodness of God. Uh, And he gives his goodness to us only because he wants to. Think about it. What could I do to save myself? lot of people are trying, but there's nothing you can do to be saved. The Bible says that we can only be saved through faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. God gave Jesus Christ to us to pay for our sins, and he didn't do it because he had to, and he didn't do it because he says, well, they're pretty good folks. I think I'll help them out. The Bible says that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, we were an enemy of god he just did it for us because he loves us for no reason he just he just decided he wanted to love us and so that's the goodness of god we ought to thank god every day for his goodness you know i hear people and we've all probably said this phrase when something happens that's that's good we say thank goodness and when I hear that, I'd want to say, no, don't thank goodness, thank God. But when I studied this, I thought, well, maybe that's where that phrase come from, is if you thank goodness, you are thanking God, because there is no source of goodness but from God. Remember, Jesus asked the guy, he says, why do you call me good? He said, there's only one that's good, and that's God. So, if you thank goodness, you're thanking God. Uh, Ephesians 1 verses 5 and 6. The Bible says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. See, there's that same phrase that we found in Second Thessalonians, that God saved us because it was his good pleasure, just because he wanted to. And also in Ephesians 1, 1, um, Verse 6, he says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath accepted us in the Beloved. We are part of God's family only because of His goodness and His good pleasure. Ephesians one nine says, Having made known unto us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself. Uh, Ephesians 5 9 says for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth the fruit of the Spirit that's mentioned in Galatians chapter 5 the nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit that's mentioned there is summed up here in Ephesians in three characteristics goodness righteousness and truth All goodness, true goodness, is only from God. And God gives us his goodness only because it's his good pleasure, only because he wants to. None of us earn it. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we only can receive his goodness by faith. Now notice also Paul not only prays that they would be counted worthy of the calling, and not only does he pray that God would fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness. Think about that. He's saying that all the good things that God wants to give to us, just because of his goodness, he's praying that all of that will come to pass. And we know with God, if he says it, it will come to pass. But he also prays for the work of faith. Let's look at that verse once again. He says in verse 11, Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith. Now, we've talked about the work of faith when we went through 1 Thessalonians. Remember, it seemed to be all throughout the book that Paul talked about the work of faith, the labor of love, and patience of hope. Well, here again he mentions the work of faith. What does that mean, work of faith? Well, we can only be saved by faith. So the faith we have in the Lord Jesus Christ does a work in our life. Once we're saved, that faith is proven to be genuine by the works that follow our faith. Now think about it. Works without faith have no eternal value. Uh, there's people that's trying to work their way into heaven there's people that's trying to work their their way into God's favor and receive salvation through their works you could be the best person in the world you could be a a, a nice person a loving person a giving person you could do all these wonderful things and if you do it without faith in the Lord Jesus Christ you're going to die and go to hell it has nothing to do with that because no matter how good you are, there's still something in your life that you're going to fall short of God's glory. You can't compare yourself to other people and then decide, well, I'm better than so-and-so over here, so I ought to get into heaven, and God doesn't grade on a curve. He doesn't look and say, well, you were better than 90% of the people on earth. I'll let you in. No, God compares him Uh, He he compares us to Himself. Look at the Ten Commandments. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus said, if you even hate your brother, you're guilty of murder in your heart. He said, if you look at a woman and lust after her, you're guilty of adultery in your heart. None of us are, are free from sin. So all your works without faith will have no eternal value. Galatians two sixteen says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Well, not only is works without faith of no eternal value, but faith without works has no eternal value Uh, you can say that you believe in the lord jesus christ uh, but just saying it doesn't make it so here again the point of second thessalonians is saying that look the tribulations that you go through prove whether or not you truly mean what you say and you truly believe what you say In James chapter 2, verses 14 through 20, we read, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warm and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which which are needful to the body, What doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But well, thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. There's people today that want to teach you that you can say, I have faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and continue to live a sinful lifestyle and you don't have to worry about being saved that when you die, you're going to heaven. Well, let me just say this. If you're truly saved, you don't want to sin. That's not the desire of your heart. If you can sin and willfully sin and continually sin and not feel any kind of conviction that it's wrong, you can't be saved. No matter what you say about the Lord Jesus Christ. He says here that even the devils know that Jesus is God and they tremble. But they're not saved because they're not confessing him as Lord. They're not obeying Him. They're not serving Him. Now, if you say that Jesus Christ is Lord and you truly mean that and you confess Him as as Lord, then you're going to have a desire to want to obey Him and do what His Word says. Will you sin from time to time? Yes, you will. Because you still have a connection to that old sinful flesh that that dwells in your, your body. But, if you do sin, you won't, you won't do it and, and, and not be convicted that it's wrong. You won't do it and, and not feel bad about it. A true child of God does not want to sin. doesn't mean you won't, but you don't want to. So if your attitude is, well, i just say a prayer and invite, and you use this term a lot. People say, uh, accept Jesus into your life. You can't just accept him into your life and go on living in sin. That's not salvation. The Bible says you have to believe on him uh, as your Savior. You believe in his death on the cross as payment for your sins. You believe that he was buried and that he was resurrected on the third day and that he is God, that he is Lord of all. And you confess him as so. And so when you repent of your sins and you pray and you uh, receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you also have to surrender your will to His and confess Him as Lord and say, I want to follow you and I want to serve you. And you won't do it perfectly, but that's part of salvation. And if you've not done that, if you don't feel that way, then you're not saved. And he also says a work of faith with power. Now, this word... Power, this phrase with power seems to always be connected with God throughout the New Testament. In Acts 10 38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Romans 1 4 says, And declared, talking about Jesus, to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead now the phrase here that he's using with power is still a connection with the power of God he says the work of faith with power you and I can only do faith uh, works that prove out our faith by the power of God we can't do it on our own like I said works without faith they have no eternal value. So if you have faith in the Lord and you have a desire to serve Him, the only way you'll be able to do His works is with His power being active in your life. How do we get God's power into our life? There's two things the Bible teaches us about God's power working in our life. God's power is given to us is given to us through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Now I want you to notice that <clears throat> both things are mentioned in this verse of Scripture, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Because he says that we were saved by the Holy Spirit working in our life and our faith in the truth, which is the Word of God. Uh, Notice that he says here that we were chosen from the beginning. Now that's hard for us to wrap our head around, but brother and sister, let me just tell you that if, if if you're truly saved, it's because God chose to save you. And he chose to save you from the very beginning, This scripture says. And you were only saved because his Holy Spirit came to you and set you apart for salvation and opened your eyes and your mind and your heart so that you could hear the word of God and believe the word of God and put faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and confess him as Lord. Notice some of these scriptures throughout the Bible that tells us how the Holy Spirit works in our life, the power of the Holy Spirit works in our life to bring us to salvation. John chapter 3, verses 6 through 8, as Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Remember, Nicodemus was a great teacher in Israel. And this is what Jesus said. He said, That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus couldn't wrap his head around the fact that he had to be born again. And, And Jesus is telling him that being born of the Spirit is a work of the Spirit. And that it's something that we really can't understand. It's like the wind blowing. You can hear it and see the effects of it, but you don't really understand where it's coming from and where it's going. And you see the effects of someone that's been set apart by the Spirit and saved, but you don't really understand how that works. First Peter 1, 2 says that we are elect according to the foreknowledge of God. There again, he chose us before the foundation of the world. He, he, his foreknowledge was what he used to elect those that he would save. And it says it comes through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now notice the three things that Peter says here. First of all, we're set apart by the Holy Spirit for salvation. He starts to work in our hearts and minds and open our hearts and minds so that we can hear and believe the word of truth. Because then he says the next thing is unto obedience. So the Spirit works in our hearts and minds. Then we hear the word of God. We can believe the word of God. And he says the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's how we know that we're saved by the blood of Christ because the word of God tells us so and the Spirit of God helps us to understand and believe that. Uh, notice how the power of the Word works in our life for salvation. Ephesians 1.13 says, In whom ye also trusted after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Uh, Ephesians 1.13 here tells us that we, we are saved by hearing the word of truth the gospel of our salvation, and then believing it. And we've already seen that without the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't even really hear it and understand it and be able to believe it. Then this passage of Scripture also tells us that the Holy Spirit does another wonderful work in our life, that after we are saved, after we believe, that He seals us. The Holy Spirit seals us. When the Spirit comes to you, opens your heart and mind so that you can hear and understand and believe the Word, then you hear the Word, you believe the Word, and you are saved. The Holy Spirit comes into your spirit, gives your dead spirit life, and He seals you with the Spirit of promise. Now, a seal, you know, if you ever have done any canning, you know, you you can can vegetables, and you put a lid on it, and you seal it so that no air can get to it so that it won't spoil. Well, if you if the seal didn't take well and air gets in there, whatever's in that can will eventually spoil. Well the seal of God's perfect. It never misses its mark and it always seals us for all eternity. And uh when we're saved and the Spirit comes into us and gives us new life, that's forever never taken away you can't be saved today and lost tomorrow once you're saved you're saved forever and that's the spirit of promise god doesn't make a promise and go back on it the bible says the gifts and the calling of god are irrevocable so once you're saved you're saved forever and not only does the spirit of god and the word of god give us power for salvation but it gives us power for service uh How does the Holy Spirit give us power for service? Well, in Acts one eight, he says, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Without the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't be able to have the power of God working in our lives to be able to do the work of God for service. Galatians 5.16 says this, I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The only way we can live in obedience to God and in obedience to his word is by the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We have to yield to him and do what he tells us to do and allow him to be active in our lives so that we do not live in sin. Romans eight four says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. You know, it, you, you can walk after the flesh just by ignoring God in your life, not reading the Bible, and uh, just living for whatever the, the desires of your flesh are. But if you want to live a life that is obedient to God and not marked by sin, you got to get in the Word. you got to read the Word. you got to chase after that. you got to walk after, chase after the things of God and let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly and let the Spirit of God be active in your life and pay attention to the fruit of the Spirit and be sure that instead of giving in to the things that are obvious fruits of the flesh, you give in to the things that are obvious fruits of the Spirit. How does the power of the word work in our lives for service? Ephesians 5.26 says that he might sanctify and cleanse it, talking about the church, with the washing of water by the word. Uh, You want to be clean for service? Read the Bible. You want to be set apart for God's service? Read the Bible. Spend time in the Bible. Ephesians 6.17 says, And take the helmet of salvation... And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You want to be able to serve God? Know the Word of God. Read it. Use it in your life. How did Jesus fight the devil when he was in the wilderness being tempted? With the Word of God. That's how we win too. So the Spirit of God and the Word of God gives us the power we need to be saved and to serve the Lord. And notice also as we get down here to verse number 12 that Paul says that he prays that these things will take place in their life that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. Now the name here means the authority and the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what you and I ought to exhibit in our life every day is things that bring glory to the authority and the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Our eternal purpose is to bring glory to the authority and character of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to practice that every day. Ephesians 1.18 says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. In other words, what he's saying here is that one day Jesus Christ will inherit the saints of God for his glory. You and I one day will be made completely perfect, presented to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we will be his inheritance. And he will get glory through us. Not because we're something great, on our own merit, but because of what he's done in us. Think about it. What better way for God to get glory throughout all eternity than to be able to see a group of people that he called, that he saved, that he sanctified, that he glorified, and it was only because he wanted to do it, only because he loved us, not because there was anything good in us at all. He gave it all to us. It's all because of his goodness and the good pleasure of his will that he did it. And we will be his glory for all eternity. He will, he will see what he's done. People, the, all creation will see what he's done in us, and, and he, they, he will receive glory from all creation and from us because of what he's done for us. That's our eternal purpose. And he says that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, may be glorified in you and ye in him. We also will, any glory that you and I will ever have will be because of his glory. Our glory is forever lost in God and his love for us. Um, And it's all because of his grace. He says, according to the grace of our God, And the Lord Jesus Christ. There again, it's because God just said, I want to do this for you. He didn't have to, he just did it because he wanted to. Ephesians 2 8 and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You and I have nothing to boast about except God and his love for us. We have no glory in and of ourselves. The only glory we have is in Christ because of what he's done for us. So throughout all, of, all eternity, God will receive glory from us and because of us. And, and, and any glory that might want to be put upon us will be given right back to God because our glory is only our glory because of God's glory. I will only be glorified and live forever in eternity because of Jesus Christ it's not because of anything I've done. I can't boast about one thing except Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. Revelation 5.9 gives us a picture in heaven that says, and they sung a new song. And and we'll be there. This, this is us too. This is the church. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue, and people, and nation. You see, the only thing we can glory in is what God has done for us. So Paul's prayer for the church at Thessalonica is very applicable to the modern church today. And this should be our prayer also, that we would live worthy to the call of God in our lives and fulfill His will for His glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God multiplied in our minds and hearts. Thank you for the spirit of God that helps us to uh, be able to hear and understand and believe what you tell us in your word. That there's only salvation through faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. Father, help us to be counted worthy of the calling that you've put upon our lives, and help those, Lord, right now that may have never put their faith in Jesus Christ to be able to hear and understand and believe on Christ as their Savior and Lord right now for the first time and for forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.